We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Wednesday NBA DFS podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me is my friend, my co-host, the guy that I beat repeatedly with better DFS lineups all throughout last year, Ben Miller. How's it going, man? It's going real good. I mean, I'm a little hurt on that, uh, claiming that you, you may have beat me last the year. Truth. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I, I, I don't think that's 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 right. And I was already looking at your lineup today, and it's it's looking like it's going to be a good start for we me. Can't be taught, we can't be this competitive already. We're the when the first 35 seconds of a podcast. I'm just I think I'm just excited. You know, we had the first two games last night. Like, ugh, I'm ready to go. Well, let's let's talk about those games. Obviously, the uh, the biggest takeaway, and will probably be one of the biggest takeaways for the majority of the first half of the season, is Gordon Hayward's injury. Not just the fact that, um, well, it was so disgusting. I don't know how else to describe it, right. but I think that alters a lot of the Eastern um, Conference landscape. And Gordon Hayward, I, I will say this, I, I feel like I have a hand invested in this season because he's such a big proponent of esports. Um, and me being the esports editor, I, I, I just feel a little bit bad for him. Not a little bit. I feel really bad for him. I feel bad for Celtics fans to an extent, too, that a team was going to be one that could contend with the, the Cavaliers. Right. And losing... Obviously, a max contract player um, who could play multiple positions, who was a scorer on your team, that hurts a lot. And maybe it's because, uh, as a Packer fan, I lost Aaron Rodgers just this weekend, right? Um, yeah. And it, the the pain is very immediate for me. I just <laughs> I feel bad. I don't want to really discuss the injury much more than it sucks, and it sucks for everyone involved. I'm not sure what your thoughts on it though. It's just so tough. Like after a huge, crazy offseason, easily like the the craziest funnest most entertaining offseason in probably NBA history that at least that I've seen um 
all of a sudden, you know, first quarter, the first game, we lose one of the biggest stars on one of the biggest teams in the East. You know, that was supposed to be them and the Cavs going, you know, toe to toe for the, you know, that top spot there. So it was just a bummer, man. It was just a huge bummer. You feel bad for him. It sucks for the NBA. But yeah, it, I agree. It's it's not something you want to talk about too long. It, it was just a nasty injury. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where we won't ever get to know how this season would have developed, um, right? Because, yep. because Hayward's out now. I mean that there are still some young guys that could make a big difference for the Celtics, and I think at least for DFS purposes, that's going to be a big deal too um, to keep track of the monitor throughout the year. But Gordon Hayward would have made a big difference for that team. He's not going to be there, at least in my estimation. After seeing that injury, I would I would be really surprised if he played this season. So yeah, yeah. If anything, you know, it's going to be the last couple of weeks of the season. You know, jump back all of a sudden. Right. But maybe you know, even that's probably in the yeah. Kind of yeah. I just I don't see that happening. I I uh, wish the best for Gordon Hayward. Um, Celtics fans, same thing for you guys too. I don't know how many of you are listening, but there's uh, well wishes coming from the Madison office here. So. Absolutely. All right, well, let's get to the perfect lineup. Um, we do this every podcast. We will be on Mondays and Wednesdays talking about the perfect lineup from the previous night. Most times, uh, at least last year, it was that we got four or five game sets um, on these Tuesdays in particular and Sundays. And we saw that again here. We saw a smaller lineup. So there's you know a lot of Cavs, a lot of Celtics, a lot of Rockets. So uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, all three were part of the perfect lineup last night. Uh, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, P.J. Tucker, Draymond Green, Ryan Anderson, Al Horford rounded out the perfect lineup. I think the biggest surprise out of that for me was, A, P.J. Tucker at 3,900. I think that he's going to be a quality power forward option to watch moving forward. And I I don't know if that position is going to be very – I think it's going to be tough to fill up most weeks. If you're not paying up for a power forward, you're going to find a tough time the middle ground. So a guy like P.J. Tucker, if he continues to be at 3,900 for the Rockets – that's an intriguing one. I think they have to have his defense in the lineup. I think they have to have his grit and toughness, and he's going to see a lot more minutes as the season plays out. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he, he this is his first year in Houston, and I I didn't know how his role was going to be affected with you know Eric Gordon being a guy that gets a ton of minutes off the bench. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's going to play a ton of minutes. Like you said, he's he's a guy that brings a lot of defense. They, the Rockets brought in Chris Paul and Tucker too, like defensive minded guys. Um, so that's huge for them for a team that you know was known for not playing defense at all last year um right. but yeah it, it is good good to see tucker in there i think his price will go up a little bit but due to you know the other playmakers on the rockets i think it should stay you know at least manageable where he, he's a guy you can consider each week i i just think that that's gonna be a tough spot and we'll get into it especially with this 11 game slate here on wednesday but i i have a feeling the power forward it's just gonna be really difficult um we're benefited i think by the bizarre choice that Giannis is a power forward on, right. on FanDuel listings right now, and that's maybe in part we also have him listed on the RotoWire staff as a as a power forward. But he will be playing multiple positions. I think he'll be the definition of point forward on that Bucks team. But you you get benefited by that. But at the same time, there's just a lot of there's not a lot of stud power forwards out there. It's either center or small forward, and there's no in between. So a guy like PJ Tucker might end up being. Um, a go-to for that second power forward spot if you're looking for a cheaper option. Yeah, yeah, and and one of the other guys that you know not surprised me, but that you know that I took into consideration right with LeBron James. Like, mm-hmm. no, no Isaiah Thomas yet. Like we mentioned before, not until like the the All Star break. Um, this dude is it's going to be his team. He's he's going to go off this year. He's he's I think he was so underrated coming into the, into this year, which is crazy to say about yeah, LeBron. Right, exactly. Um, but no Kyrie. 
it looks like he's about to be a triple double kind of guy. Ten thousand four hundred was his price, and I guess I didn't play last night's slate. Was that the higher? Was that one of the highest? I, I mean, there's guys like Steph Curry, James Harden. Yeah, I think Durant and those guys were up there too. But he, I mean, he was in the top top three or four, I but think. Even the fact that he wasn't one of the highest priced guys, I think, says something a lot moving forward. Because if you get LeBron as maybe the third or fourth highest priced guy in the slate, especially with Isaiah Thomas, like you mentioned, that's going to be a big deal. I. I I really think that LeBron's going to make a push to be an MVP this season. I, I agree completely. He t- yeah, he talked about that. He he made a point of it. And normally, when he draws attention to that stuff, it's like, uh oh, you better watch out. Right. I think that this could be the season, at least the first half, where LeBron is going full full pedal to the metal to try and put his name into the conversation for that. And he should be in the conversation every year. I Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just voters kind of like. Uh, LeBron, I, we know what LeBron can do. Right, yeah, he's done this before. We want something new, you know, right. that whole that whole deal. I have a feeling that he's going to be a pretty good DFS option very much in the beginning of the season, but uh, throughout the year. I think that's going to be definitely one to, to target most weeks. Yeah, and this dude missed, like, the whole preseason with, a you know, an injury. So he comes out did you hear completely his, rusty. Did, did you hear his uh, interview post-game? It, basically, it was just three and a half minutes of talking about how he was out of shape. It right. It was almost posting a triple-double. Yeah, I was I was looking into that, too. He was he went and hit, like, the stepper after the game, too, to help out his conditioning <laughs> or something. After. I was like, come on, man. You're superhuman. I, I can't even get home, and I'll just go eat Cheetos. Like, right. Like, couch, and he's like, I just played a 48-minute 40, game, and now I'm going to go ahead and keep doing more conditioning because right. I'm freaking LeBron. Like it's the first game. Chill out, man. You, you got to save those legs. <laughs> it's incredible. All right, well, let's get to the 11-game slate Wednesday here. I'm excited. Uh, the Bucks have a chance to actually make a, a run at the Easter Conference, um, especially with Gordon Hayward's injury. I think that's going to be you know, fantastic news for the Bucks. But 11 games on the slate. We're going to start out with the Hornets and Pistons. Again, these are all Eastern time games. So Hornets, Pistons, 7 o'clock. Nets, Pacers, 7 o'clock. Heat, Magic, 7 o'clock. 76ers, Wizards, 7 o'clock. That rounds out the four 7 o'clock games Eastern time. We have the Bucks, Celtics kicking off at 6.30 Central time, uh, 7.30 Eastern time. Pelicans, Grizzlies, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Hawks, Mavericks, 8.30 Eastern Time. Nuggets, Jazz, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Then we have a couple of late-night games. Timberwolves, Spurs, 9.30 Eastern Time. Trailblazers, Suns, high-scoring affair, it looks like, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. And then potentially another high-scoring game, Rockets and Kings, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, Normally, when we did the podcast last year, we'd run down all the teams with injuries, um, even discussing some minor characters um, and, and how they could affect things. I think for time purposes, especially in the beginning of the season, we're going to try to avoid some of those minor character people um, and just go over some of the bigger injuries and how that could affect things for DFS. So we'll start with the Hornets and Pistons matchup. Nicholas Batum, a guy that I liked quite a bit last year for DFS purposes, season long too. He's a great great guy to have because he's multi-category production. He's going to be out till at least November, probably December with an elbow injury. That's a big blow for the Hornets because there's also guys like Michael Carter-Williams and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist who are going to be out missing some time. Uh, Carter-Williams remains without a timetable with his knee injury. And then we don't quite know what is going on with Kidd-Gilchrist, but we know for certain he won't be playing Wednesday. That's a really big trio for the Hornets who are trying to make a run at the Eastern Conference. Um, Opens up the door for a couple of younger guys, Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk, to get some significant playing time. What do you think about that for DFS? I think it's it's a great DFS, uh, you know, situation. Uh, I think, you know, Malik Monk is is a rookie. Um, He looks good in the preseason. Um, so I think er- real good. Yeah, I, I think early on in the season though they're going to stick with the veteran guy Jeremy Lamb. He's going to get a ton of minutes. He had a couple of real big games in the preseason as well. Um, he kind he's kind of like that score and bunches type of guy that comes out of nowhere. Um, 
I think if the Hornets struggle early on, um, they'll go more towards Monk, the rookie, you know, try and get a, a younger guy, more more development. Um, but I think that that may wait until they're they're kind of you know later in the season. So I think Lamb's the guy right away that that I'm looking at, and, he, and he's cheap. So um, that that's definitely where I'm Worth looking at. Worth noting, both those guys are under four thousand price for their respective positions. I and we'll get I think into Jeremy Lamb a little bit more as we get to our lineups. I agree with you though. I think. Really, Malik Monk presents a better opportunity for that Horns team. I, I'm not quite sure why he fell as far as he did in the draft. I thought he was one of the better prospects altogether, but here they were getting him, you know, a little bit later on. I, I like him. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think we see very first game one um, him doing a lot of crazy stuff. So Jeremy Lamb is the guy to look at. On the flip side of that matchup, we have Reggie Bullock, Stanley Johnson, and Langston Galloway either out or game time decisions. None of them really are huge DFS guys. Maybe a Stanley Johnson later in the season, but I'm not. I'm not really touching on either of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Stanley Johnson. I, there's a couple things there. If he sits out, you know, maybe they switch Tobias Harris over to small forward and John Luer starts. Um, so there could be some, you know, with a, a Luer. Um, lure snag. I think he's pretty cheap tonight too. But otherwise, yeah, there's not a whole lot there. Nets Pacers really don't have too many injuries, but I'm not sure how many DFS options we're going to be using from them, especially in an 11 game slate. Glenn Robinson's the big one. Uh, he's going to be out, set to miss three to four months with an ankle surgery. That means more Boyan Bogdanovich and Lance Stevenson, the DFS optimizer. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. Really likes Lance Stevenson. Uh, I am not among those people, and I don't think the Glenn uh, the Glenn Robinson injury is is going to be that impactful for his DFS and fantasy purposes. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I think Bogdanovich is going to get big minutes, but and, and Stevenson, I, yeah, I don't see it. I, I don't like see Bogdanovich him being a big and, DFS. He doesn't have. I just don't see the upside. Yeah, yeah. I like I like Bogdanovich in, in season long leagues, especially. I'm not really a fan of it for especially this slate. There there are so many cheap options. I, I love it. We'll get to it in a little bit. So many cheap options. I don't think that. Uh, yeah, especially at small forward, like that's going to yeah. be mm-hmm. beautiful. Yep. Uh, moving over to the Heat Magic matchup, Rodney McGruger uh, out three to six months with a stress fracture in his leg. Josh Richardson, who was kind of a, a DFS stalwart towards the end of the year, is going to be a game time decision with a undisclosed ailment. We haven't really had much updates from him since the, uh, the preseason, so I'm, we're expecting he's playing, but there's a chance he won't. There's a lot of things that have to go right to, to be able to pick which player you think is going to go off in that uh, Miami backcourt there. But I just, you know, Richardson's a guy. McGruder's a guy you know I don't know I don't know what more to say about those guys yeah I, there's a lot going on there you know it could be Tyler Johnson it could be Josh Richardson that picks up the minutes it could be Justice Winslow like they all can play out of position so it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to predict which guy is going to you know take on the most uh, of Magruder's time because Magruder was going to start the year um, I think at small forward there so um, yeah it's a little, a little little murky there still with the magic Terrence Ross is a game time decision he obviously came over from the Raptors hamstring injury he's expected to play and start at the small forward however just on the happen circumstances he does not a guy like jonathan simmons formerly of the spurs jonathan isaac who they drafted pretty highly this year could actually step up i think that that's one to monitor throughout the year um i'm not i don't think that isaac is ready to play now i wouldn't be yeah. thinking he's going to be a dfs option really season long either i'm not like that a, that big of a fan of isaac um uh, but ross was a three-point specialist and in, in um you know DFS leagues that are highlighting three-point shooting. I think that's one to kind of watch for if he can play or not, but uh, I'm not positive Terrence Ross is going to be utilized much, even if he does play. Right. Yeah. You, you know, it's the first game of the year. Yeah. He's got a hamstring injury. Why, you know, push him through it? So, you know, he could, he could end up being a little limited in that game. So that might be something to avoid there. 
76ers and uh, Wizards, Rashawn Holmes, who was a big DFS guy late in the year uh, when we were doing these podcasts quite a bit. He's going to be out with a wrist injury for at least another couple uh, weeks. He obviously had the fractured wrist. That means Jaleel Okafor, uh, keep getting that trade bandwagon going. <laughs> we need to use him as much as we can so until we can dish him out. Right. And, of course, he's a game-time decision. He's sick. Uh, he he missed practice on Monday, but he's expected to play Wednesday. I think that Okafor is going to be a guy that they're going to highlight quite a bit as they try to drum up his trade market. Yeah, especially with Embiid probably only seeing minutes in the teens, and I think he was somewhere he's like he expected to play 16 minutes or something. Um, so yeah. I think with with Holmes out, that's going to be Okafor's you know gain there. I, I agree with you. And then on the other side of that, Marquise uh, Morris will be out another four to five weeks as he's working back from sports hernia surgery. I think that Jason Smith, Kelly Oubre, going to be guys that can get more minutes out of that but of the two i think uber is the one i would target definitely more for dfs yeah uber has more upside there smith is he just doesn't do much other than you know grab some boards and throw in a couple points and, and be that big white guy that's you know just right a big monster <laughs> exactly yeah. that's really that's kind of his game which is fine um, but not great for DFS stuff. Bucks Celtics, really looking forward to this matchup personally to watch. But obviously, we know Jabari Parker will be out until late February. I don't know. To me, I'm not going to be bringing that up, injury up too much. Just worth pointing out for uh, the beginning of these first podcasts here. Greg Monroe, on the other hand, a sneaky, I think, DFS option if you wanted to go cheap at center. He's a game-time decision with a calf injury. Likely coming off the bench. Obviously, Thon Maker going to be starting most times. But we saw last year that Monroe actually really was a, a great benefit to that bench unit for the Bucks, um, and provides a different offense and really developed his defense more throughout the year, too. So if he can play, that's a big deal for the Bucks. Um, calf injury, game-time decision again. And then, obviously, we talked about Gordon Hayward for the Celtics. Marcus Morris also going to be out. That means more Jason Tatum, who I liked quite a bit in that Celtics matchup. Both Brown and Tatum really did, a, did good things, I thought. Yeah, I think Tatum, I think he ended up with a double-double, actually, in there. He looked, early on, he struggled pretty bad. He, he, he looked a little nervous, had some turnovers. Yeah. But then as the game went on, you could see he was definitely feeling more comfortable. Um, and then, yeah, I think he definitely ended up with, like, 10 boards and, and Just you know, double-digit points. Just smooth scoring. Like, yeah. You know, like, I, I've never, uh, he made it look so easy. Right. I, I was like, man, I just... Like the layups and the shots, they just they look like super easy plays. And obviously, they're playing the NBA. It's not easy. But I thought, man, the way he's doing that, it looks like I could go out there and score. You right. Know, no, completely. That's, yeah. That's a huge compliment to him, especially. At, he's going to have to be more so than Jalen Brown, in my opinion. He's going to have to be the guy that steps up for Gordon Hayward's injury. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Pelicans, Grizzlies. This is probably not a game that you're going to be looking at, um, at least from the middling areas for DFS purposes. Solomon Hill going to be out till February with the hamstring injury. Rajon Rondo, that's a bigger deal, I think, with the groin injury out three to five weeks after a hernia surgery. Um, Drew Holiday is going to be back to the point guard with Etwan Moore, likely getting to the starting lineup. Moore had some DFS upside a little bit later in the season, but it's kind of more like you're, you're picking your poison. Um, I like to say when I'm doing the uh, NFL podcast, you kind of hold your nose and put him in the lineup. Uh, that that's to me what it feels like. And then obviously Anthony Davis, one of the highest priced guys on Wednesday slate, um, probably going to play with the, I mean, he game time decision with the illness, but I'm expecting him to play. Yeah. Going back to more, I just, I don't, I don't love, I don't love the upside there. I really don't, you know, he's going to be at best the fourth option, you know, behind cousins, Davis and holiday. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think there's gonna be enough shots there for him to be a real, you know, big contributor uh, or have the upside that you want in DFS. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you that. And then the Grizzlies, Ben McLemore, you know, he's going to be out till early November. I think that's an actually intriguing option. They were able to acquire him in the off season. Uh, Wayne Seldon, again, not really a huge DFS guy. And then Tyreek Evans is a game time decision. He, could play a big big time role on that offense now 
again, Grizzlies offense, historically DFS, not not great unless yeah. you're Mike Conley or Mike, uh, Marcus Saul. But if he's able to play, obviously Ben McElmore's out, uh, Selden's out. That that could be an area that you look at targeting, especially if you think the Pelicans are weak, which I think is fair um, on defense. And then Andrew Harrison uh, could also be picking up major minutes as the starting shooting guards. Yeah, I think, yeah, Harrison's starting. If anything, I'd probably maybe give Harrison a shot, um, you know, just because Evans is coming off an injury too. You know, that's that's three shooting guards that aren't, you know, full and strength there. Cheap. Yeah, cheap. exactly. Yeah. You know so what? I think that's that's definitely worth a shot. Um, I, I don't know. I can't remember if there's too many shooting guards on the um, on the schedule tonight that I absolutely love. So, I mean, that's, that's worth it. The, there's the, a whole bunch of cheaper ones that I love, and, that's, and we'll get to that question in a little bit, you know, what we wanted to do and how we're constructing our lineups. But there's a lot of cheaper shooting guard options, and I'm not sure that Harrison ranks – uh among my top two in that yeah, category. Yeah. But you know, like if you want to kind of go contrarian, I think that he's gonna get minutes. And that's really what you're looking for if you're ca- talking about like double ups, just all right, who's getting 30 minutes? I think Harrison gets close to 30 minutes, right? Yeah, I think I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple more games to go through here. Hawks and Mavericks, Miles Plumley's gonna be out for another few weeks um on the Hawks side quad injury. And then Seth Curry, that's a bigger deal because we're gonna see uh Dennis Smith, who I think is the front runner for rookie of the year. I like him quite a bit. I liked him in season long leagues. I definitely like him in DFS. Uh, Seth Curry out with a lower leg injury, going to miss at least the first three games of the season. Dennis Smith, Yogi Farrell, who was a DFS prodigy uh, last year at times. And then obviously Josh McRoberts, not a huge fantasy guy. He'll be out um, for the Mavericks. Nuggets Jazz. This is a very intriguing, I think, DFS matchup if you are on board with the Nuggets. Richard Jefferson is unlikely to play after just signing with the Nuggets a couple days ago. Dante Exum out for the season. That's been a disappointing pick. Yeah, you know, that's, that that's, really, that's yeah. been a disappointing pick. Right. I, that really stalled the, the Jazz's growth there. He's going to be out for the season with the shoulder injury, and they're all NATO. Uh, game time decision. Donovan Mitchell could get some time off the bench, but uh, he's a rookie. I'm not expecting too much from him DFS-wise. Does the Jazz... Does the Jazz make you not want to play a guy like Paul Millsup or Jokic, um, or are you you not too scared off that yet? I would say a little bit. It's tough to pick a guy that's going up against you know Rudy Gobert. He's one of the you know better centers in the league defensively. So um, it's hard for me to really want to go with a guy like Jokic. Um, even though last year Jokic was so fun to fun to right. use because because he, he does everything you know he he's got crazy assists rebounds points he does it all um, but yeah I just I don't love it against this Jazz team it's gonna be a slow paced game and you know it's he's going up against one of the the better centers in the league in in Rudy Gobert I so agree too. I, I like to use the numbers quite a bit obviously first game of the se- well really second day of the NBA season we don't have a lot of numbers to work with so I have to go with my gut and I think the Jazz defense is really good I don't even think that's a tough thing to call with your gut either so I agree with you I'm kind of staring staring away from them but I wouldn't you know it's not a bad contrarian play in my opinion it's not a bad contrarian play in that regards and uh, we know what Jokic can do, right? Yeah, you know, what he can do. So it's a matter of if he'll get that opportunity with Gobert there, and it's it's if he gels with you know Millsap right yeah. away too. That it's mm-hmm. going to be something to watch, uh, you know, early on to see if those two can you know play off each other, which I assume they can because, like I said, Jokic passes so well that the two should be able to. And Millsap is too. Like I mean, you, you talk about his run with the Hawks that he was a better, obviously, shooter than a lot of people gave him credit for, but he could move the ball around quite a bit, and that was part of that uh, Hawks attack that would be highlighting three-point shooting and three and D kind of guys. I think it works um, as a team long-term. I'm just not sure it works against the Jazz. I'm, I guess we'll see, but right. I'm yep. probably not taking that chance. No, me, me either. Timberwolves and Spurs, a couple of 
big injuries here. Obviously not so much on the Timberwolves side. There's a lot of different moving parts with that team um, that came over in the offseason, but we'll get to see them for the most part play. Obviously, first-round pick Justin Patton will be out with a foot injury. Not really a huge fantasy guy if he were to play anyhow. But on the Spurs side, big deal here. Kawhi Leonard is going to be out with that quad injury. There's a lot of mystery surrounding that entirely. We don't we don't really know when he's going to be back, especially with Popovich and how he likes to hold off his star guys. It's There's a lot of like, oh, well, maybe he won't play this week or maybe he won't play this month. I mean, the Spurs are probably going to be Spurs and win games regardless if Leonard is playing or not. It's when it gets to the postseason that you want a guy like him around. I, I think that a guy like Rudy Gay has some some playability in DFS. I think Kyle Anderson, who I've liked to use at times as a throw-in guy, could also, it depends on if you know Popovich really wants to try and utilize one of those guys or the other. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think Gay is sitting at 5500 um, so that, that's a pretty solid price for him. And I think of the two, that's that's who I'd lean more towards. Um, but Kyle Anderson is still someone that you can you can definitely consider. Uh, he's only three thousand, so dead minimum. You know. Um, just, so if if you're if you need a salary break, yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. And then Tony Parker are going to be out till January with that quad injury. Dehonte Murray, I was such a huge fan of him um, for DFS last season when when Parker was out for the majority of the time. Patty Mills likes to take a lot of those minutes too. I think both actually have some viability. Uh, when it comes to DFS, which one do you lean towards more if you had to pick one of those Spurs guys? I think that's that's kind of tough for me to to designate there. I think Patty Mills can score a, a quicker in a, in a shorter amount of time, but I think Murray might still have you know more upside there. More. Yeah, yeah, he's more especially against the Timberwolves. Jeff Teague, um, not necessarily known for his defense, but he's not bad at it, obviously. I think that I lean towards Murray, but both could have viability, especially as long as Parker's out. Um, we could see both end up being DFS guys. As soon as one of those two ends up being out, whether it's Mills or Murray, I think that you have to start rolling with them right away. Absolutely, yeah. Because the they are going to get a lot of usage rate, uh, and I like them quite a bit in that sense. But until that point happens, they're kind of like, well, I'm going to guess and see which one. Yeah, the, the timeshare there's a little little sketchy, and it's a little tough to predict. But yeah, um, I, I think that's still... You know, something, some, someone to consider. Maybe, maybe on a, a smaller slate when there's not that many, um, you know, cheaper options that you're you're looking at. A lot of injuries to run through the Trailblazers and Suns. Noah Vonleh is going to be out with a shoulder injury. CJ McCollum is suspended for the first game. That means more Evan Turner, who I like quite a bit. Uh, Maurice Harkless and uh, Amino are going to probably get some minutes at the small forward spot on the Suns side. We know Brandon Knight will be out for the season with the ACL. Alan Williams uh, out for another five months to uh, not a higher pick for them, but kind of guy they're hoping to develop tj warren has been dealing with a bruised back that if he misses time opens the door for josh jackson who i heard charles barkley say last night in tnt that he was the best player in that draft this year i don't know if i agree with the best player but he was one of the best and I definitely think yeah josh jackson is immediately a dfs option if tj warren were to be out or missing extended time Alex Lana feels like he's perpetually on this list if he's going to be a game time decision with the foot injury. Marquise Chris, who's been a huge season long kind of like, oh, he might be the up and comer guy to target. Uh, and Dragon Bender could get more minutes if Len were to miss time. I'm not expecting that to be the case, but I think Chris immediately becomes a DFS option if and when Len were to actually miss a game. Yeah, I, I think I think he's an option. I don't I don't I don't think I absolutely love him. Mm. I, Okay. Hot take from Ben here. I wouldn't say hot take. I just every, everybody who's an NBA analyst says they love Chris. For DFS wise, I, just, okay. I, I don't think I, I love him as as a guy that I'm I'm trying to plug and play. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think there's there's enough there. Uh, okay. I'd rather have a guy like Josh Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
okay. as someone who has the upside to to you know jump into the 30s for Fanduel points I'll or something along those lines. I like him quite a bit because he's a power forward, and again, I, I'm a little worried that that position as a whole, at least on Fanduel, is going to be tough to fill up most weeks unless you're just deciding to go cheap. So. Uh, I think it's one to monitor. Obviously, we need to wait till game time to see if lens out, but that's one way to go. And then uh, Rockets-Kings final game of the afternoon, we talked about Bogdanovich. Um, more Garrett Temple, Justin Jackson with him going to be out. And then Zach Randolph is a game time decision with the mouth. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll lean towards you. I think you know a little bit more about Big Scal than I do. Uh, and I know you kind of targeting him a little bit in your DFS lineup. So what's to like about him? I think the, last year he showed uh, some some decent upside. He he played a lot of minutes when you know the the Kings the Kings last year were just brutal to cover in terms of <laughs> in terms of breaking news where they they'd rest half their lineup every yes. other night. Um, so when you know like Kufo sat out or Kali Stein got the the night off, Scal usually came in and he he was pretty good like a, a double double threat type of guy. Um, so I think there's there's as, as long as he gets a ton of minutes, if if Randall Randolph sits out, I think that's a guy that's easily on you know double double watch. I, I think that you're right. Uh, Andy's only 4,100. I'm not taking the chance, but <laughs> that goes back to what I've been saying this whole podcast is that that power forward spot going to be tough to figure out most weeks. Um, so if you have a cheaper option that you really are on board with and go with and like, perfect. You know, that, that makes your setting your lamp so much easier. Um, dating back to our podcast last year, we, we kind of did two questions. Um, one, just to help other users, like, okay, what are you centering your lineup on? Uh, and then another one, kind of a fun question that you're forcing to think outside the box of some of your stuff. So we'll start out with this. Um, if you were to pay Ben for two thousand, two ten thousand players, and you can't pick your boy James Harden, um, and I will also do this question for Russell Westbrook when he eventually plays. <laughs> you can't pick James Harden. Who are you going to go with? Of that group, I think I'm going Giannis and John Wall. Uh, Davis is questionable with the illness, always has injury concerns, so I, I like to avoid him when possible. You know, Towns is a tough matchup against the Spurs. DeMarcus Cousins up against Marcus Saul. You know, not a huge fan of those because of the matchups. Um, so, yeah, that kind of leaves Giannis in wall. Um, I'll talk more about Giannis later. That's He's one of the guys I'm, I'm definitely targeting. Um, but I think Wall's matchup with the, the Sixers, uh, 76ers, is, is solid. You know, he's going to be either up against Jared Bayless or um, the rookie, Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. Who I think is actually coming off the bench to start the year, um, so I think I think Wall can can handle those two guys pretty easily, um, and he got a lot of rest at the end of the preseason too. I think so. He's he's going to come in firing. I should have prefaced the question. There are six guys that are over ten thousand. If you want to throw in Hassan Whiteside, um, the center for the Heat, he's at ninety two hundred. So kind of make it seven. I agree with you. If you're taking out James Harden, that makes it five guys. Uh, I I think that there is an option if you want to go both Giannis and Anthony Davis. Again, talking again, power forwards. I'm not a huge fan of the slate overall with that. So if you want to put two guys right up there and figure out everything else out, I get it. I'm not on board with Carl Anthony Towns at 10,000. This is probably one of the cheaper spots you're going to get him all year. But for some reason, going into the Spurs, I just feel like Popovich can can figure out how to take away your best option, kind of like a Bill Belichick in NBA. And I know he's going to get his points, but I just don't know if he's going to get enough to make me comfortable with it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah when you pay up yeah. for that much, you need your your big big and, time player well, to go off. There's a lot of center options, and given on you're on Fanduel and there's only one center you can play, oftentimes I'm not willing to pay up for that. So it ends up being a good contrarian play, and I think he probably will do okay. But I agree with you. I think it has to be honest, and I think it has to be John Wall, especially going against the 76ers, who I think will be better than they were last year. Again, yeah. They're always on our defense positioning uh, list where target the 76ers because they stink at covering point guard 
I think that's the beginning of the season going to be the case as well. I think as we transition more towards those young guys getting some continuity, that's different. Um, but until then, I think John Wall is a fantastic play. Going to get you points. He's going to get you assists. He's going to get you a handful of rebounds too. I think that he has the best chance of going five times value for his $10,000 price tag. So going over to the second question, um, Ben, uh, would you rather pay for two 7,000 priced point guards in that range, 7,000, 8,000, or 7,000, 8,000 shooting guards? So two point guards or two shooting guards? Which one are you going with? I'm going uh, point guards. I think there's actually quite a few solid options at point guard in that $7,000 range. Um, Dennis Schroeder definitely jumps up to me right away. 7,500, extremely solid pretty much the their go-to guy this year you yeah, know they they lost absolutely. like their three of their top four scores um you know howard dwight howard Millsap um, too yeah Millsap and uh, uh the guy that uh, went to the knicks oh, hardaway yeah. hardaway i love him hardaway love too yes. so like that's three of the top four guys schroeder's gonna get all he can handle so i, I think that's a great play i think his price is actually gonna go up quite a bit in the next few weeks um and otherwise, I, Kemba Walker is great. He's in that zone. And Eric Bledsoe is always a great play. I think he's really cheap right now, too. And he, he's usually up there in the 9,000s. Yeah, um, Bledsoe, Bledsoe has like the hot and cold thing going. Right. So there are some games where he's just on fire. And then others where it's like, well, I don't. I got 30 points from Bledsoe. That wasn't what I was anticipating. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I well, I agree with you on the initial question. And I brought up because I'm trying to have uh, you and other people just kind of Let's look outside the box, and let's not just automatically put Harden and Giannis in our lineups right away. Uh, I think the shooting guard spot actually has a lot of depth at that 7,000, 8,000 range if you didn't want to go Harden. But I agree with you. I think it has to be point guard. Um, and you mentioned two guys, and I agree with them. But then we also have Kemba Walker at 7,500, yes, Mike Conley yep. at 7,300, Jeff Teague 7,300, and Ricky Rubio at 7,000. I like all of those point guards. Yep. All of those. So it's crazy to me that we're talking about John Wall, and we both agree that that's probably the second 10,000 guy I want to play, but yet there are five or six guys at point guard who are like, oh, yeah, I think they have pretty good viability at 7,500 range. Yeah, and it, it, that's not even taking into consideration Damian Lillard, who's in the 8,000s right. and not that expensive either. So point guard's kind of stacked there. I, I agree with you. Well, let's get to the Rotowire Optimizer page here. We'll run through it quickly because we've discussed a couple of these names and, and talked about John Wall, uh, Rotowire loves quite a bit. So going against the 76ers, 10,000 price. Damian Lillard, who you just discussed there, going against the Suns. Great matchup. He's going to be without C.J. McCollum, too, at 8,800. Victor Oladipo going against the Nets at 6,100. And Lance Stevenson going against the Nets also 3,300. I think that's more based off of Nets are bad, target Nets, as opposed to great usage rates from those guys. Josh Jackson, we discussed, going against Trailblazers at 4,800. Jeremy Lamb, 3,500. Greek Freak uh, going against the Celtics, 10,200. Derek Favors, a bit of a head-scratcher, if I'm going to be honest, from the Optimizer page. Against the Nuggets at 5,800, then Joel Embiid against the Wizards at 7,500. Biggest takeaway from me, and I think that you probably agree, is that the 7,500 from Embiid is fine if we knew that he was playing you know, more than 16 to 18 minutes, which, yeah. is, which he's already confirmed he won't do. I think at 7,500, I'm sorry, confirmed he will be playing 16 to 18 minutes. Right. Embiid yep. is a guy that I, I would love to target at this price. We know what his potential is. And even in 16 to 18 minutes, he might actually be able to get close to those numbers. Right. He might put up 25 and 10 right. still, which is absurd. But, but but you talk about this all the time, and I agree with you. Where's the upside coming from, from a guy that's playing 20 minutes? And there there isn't, especially for a 7,500 price. So the optimizer rightfully is taking into account what Embiid could do, but we know for a fact he won't do it. So I think that this, 
Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think the Optimizer at times has done really great with it, but this is not one of its better lineups. It's Yeah, I agree. It's not my favorite. I think it could do a much better job grabbing the lower value guys. Yes. Um, I don't think Lance, Ste- like Lance Stevenson, we talked about it before. He's not a guy I'm, I'm really yeah. wanting to use it when you got someone like Jalen Brown sitting there who is you know, this is pretty much the same price. Um, yeah, Josh Jackson, I'm okay with it. But again, that small forward spot, there's so many cheap options that I think I can I can go elsewhere. Yeah, um, that, that's the crazy thing. We'll get to our lineups here right, right in a second. And, and I'm looking over them. It's like we have five or six guys that are below 4,000 priced and they're different names. Like it's, it wasn't even that, oh, we're just going to pick it just to be, you know, contrarian of one another. I think that there are realistically five or six different viable options for a handful of these positions yeah. for lower prices. That's due to injuries, due to suspensions, due to, well, you know, it's first game of season. Let's just make sure we take our time with a few of these players. And I think the optimizer has the right idea, stars and scrubs, just not the right scrubs. Yeah, I agree. I think there's more value plays in today's slate than I've seen in a long in, time. In how, yeah, however long I can remember yeah. for sure. All right, well, let's break into it. Let's, let's get into our stuff here. I think, you know, last year we kind of discussed position by position what our lineups are. I think that's probably a good way to go. So Dennis Smith I talked about quite a bit as a guy I liked um, at the point guard spot. Again, I think he's a rookie of the year candidate. Um, I would put my money on him if I was a gambling man. Uh, 4,300 going to the Hawks. And, and I said the Hawks. What? Hawks? Who, who says the, <laughs> the Hawks? The Hawks. The like, Hawks. What is that? No. <laughs> going against the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, there we go. A little better. Uh, 4,300 price tag. Like that quite a bit, and then John Wall. We talked about him a lot too. Ten thousand seventy sixers. He's one of two ten thousand guys I'm looking at. Um, I, you know, I I think that there's tough to argument or tough argues for either of those guys. Yeah, I, I have no beef with either. I think for you know the Mavericks, Dennis Smith and Yogi Ferrell are going to be two cheap guys. You know, in tonight's game that Especially are with are, Seth Curry, right? So. Yeah, exactly. That that are going to get a ton of minutes, and they're young. So why not ride them when the Mavericks are you know in a kind of a, a mini rebuild? Yeah. Um, so I, I love both of those plays. We already talked about Wall. Um, for me, Lillard, I, I love the matchup right away. Um, yeah. you know, you're going up against the Suns team that I think was actually the, the most up-paced offense in yeah. the whole entire league last season. Um, so that's going to be an up-and-down game. Um, he looked really good in the preseason. He had two or three you know, pretty big games. Um, he's got another full you know, off-season to, um, to gel with uh, Nurkic, too, yes. who came over at the trade deadline. So those two should um, be on the same page. And adding on to that, no McCollum. So somebody's got to score. It's going to be Lillard. It's going to be the Lillard right. show. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you, and, and obviously other guys. Kemba Walker. You, yep. you talked about him a little bit before going against the Pistons. The Hornets will need Kemba Walker, and they will need him for the majority of the season. So yeah, especially No Batum, who yeah. was the second leading scorer from last season you too. Know, so that's I, I think those are those are great plays. That's what I'm talking about. That so we had a ten thousand eighty eight hundred seventy six hundred and forty three hundred guy. And we're saying each one of them is good place. Like they're, they're, we can't knock any of those. That's what I'm saying. This is this is an intriguing lineup. You can do a lot of different combinations, but it all hinges on what you want to do at shooting guard. Obviously, you have to go with your boy, the beard, the wonder, James Harden. I did. I didn't actually. I didn't necessarily want to put him in my lineup uh, to begin with. You know, considering he played last night, you never know. You know what a team will do with it. You know, in a back-to-back set. But I mean, Harden played, I think, almost every single game last season. So, you know, after I thought about it, I'm okay with it. I had a bunch of salary left over because of the the value tonight. Yeah. So it was like, I'm going to play him. You know, he's he's a guy that just blows up, triple double guy every night. So, um, him and Chris Paul looked a little off for a little bit in that in that first game. Um, but I think I think they'll they can sort that out. So I, I think I like the play there. I it was between Wall and Harden for me. I went. The other way I went with Wall, not so much because I didn't think that James could do 
really what we're expecting him to. I mean, if he has to get 50 points to get that 11,000 value, I think he can do that. I'm, I'm not worried so much about that, even in the, the second game of a back-to-back. I like Evan Turner quite a bit with C.J. McCollum out at 4,800. He's listed as a shooting guard. He's probably not going to be playing that spot. Depends on how that all works. But at 4,800 going against the Suns, there has to be a second scorer on that team, whether it's Nurkic, whether it's Turner. I lean towards Turner, and at 4,800, that's tough for me to pass up. He has to get 30 points. That's it for him to be returning positive value for that. I I think he can do that in three quarters. So I, I love Evan Turner and obviously Jalen Brown, who we're both on, and I think is going to have to be priced extremely differently once we get this Gordon Hayward stuff figured out. That's a guy that week in and week out, until we see otherwise, I'm putting him in if he's under 6,000. Dude, he's 3,700 Jalen Brown. Like, no. easily my favorite play, like value play of the whole day. He, show, he, was, he looked extremely improved last night. He was already super electric. Like, that dude throws down dunks like no other. He's a great um, defender, so they have yeah. to have him out there in those situations, too. Whereas if you're putting, you know, Jason Tatum in, he's not known as much for his defense. I I think it has to be. Yeah, I think he's going to be highly owned, which is one of the only other things I can think of there where maybe, you know, you want to get someone else on there just for, you know, at least tournament play. Yeah. Um, but, dude, he had 25 points, six rebounds last night, a couple steals. Even no Hayward. I hate to bring that back up, but he's going to get all the minutes he can handle there. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even think he can keep him out in tournaments. Like, just because he's 60% owned doesn't mean it's bad. Right. We talk about that all the time in the NFL podcast. Sometimes you just have to go with those people. So I agree with you. Uh, small forward, we'll kind of run through those quickly because you're going with a lot cheaper options. I'm intrigued with one of them. Um, we're on board with Jeremy Lamb with you know all those injuries that the Hornets are going through currently. I think at 3,500, Jeremy Lamb's perfect. I have Jimmy Butler at 8,700 going against the Spurs. One of the people for the Timberwolves is going to have to go off, whether it is Carl Anthony Towns, whether it is Butler, maybe even Teague. I think somebody has to. So I like that. And again, I'm not... I didn't feel like I was that enamored with that small forward slate, especially with Leonard out. Um, so, you know, 3,500, that's where I, or I'm sorry, at 8,700, that's where I went with Butler. And I need to pay up somewhere. So that was that was kind of my thought. Whereas you paid up for Harden, I think mine was going to be Butler. So you have Jeremy Lan, obviously. Who's your second small forward that you're rolling with for this slate? I'm actually going with Torian Prince uh, of the Hawks. Um Small forward first off was the spot I found so many so many options. Whether it was Prince Brown, um, Jason Tatum, yeah. um, there's so many different options there. But you know, Pr- uh, Prince just 3,400. Um, he's actually one of my picks for a full breakout season himself. Like of of all the players in the league, um, played extremely well late last season and into the playoffs. Um, and like we mentioned before, Dwight Howard's gone, Paul Millsap's gone, Tim Hardaway's gone. That's three of the top four scores from last season. You know, Schroeder's obviously still there. Bazemore will take some care. Or, um, Take a lot of the offense there, but I think Prince is that guy that's going to surprise a ton of people. Uh, he's going to start at small forward. Um, I, I see him taking a huge jump, and I, I love his price is so cheap right now. So I'm, I'm jumping in there right away. We had done the podcast last year, and we thought that we, he was Tayshawn Prince's son uh, for a little <laughs> while, and I'm fine running with that joke. But I'm stunned that he's at 3400. He's 400 dollars above the minimum, and he's a guy that was starting last year that people were using in DFS that wasn't, you know, that bad of an option. And here we're sitting at him again looking at I, I feel like he's supposed to be $1,100 higher. Like, he should be like a 4500 price guy, at least. And I would still consider using him. Yeah, and Fandle is, is crazy because Fandle usually seems to be one of the slower sites to adjust. Yeah. So I think, I don't know how long they're going to keep him low, but it, if this is a guy that stays pretty low in the next few weeks, I'm going to keep running with him Um Nonstop. I agree with you. Uh, moving over to the power forward spot, both of us are on the Giannis train, uh, in part because we're Bucks fans, but also because 
not many great options at that position overall. And I think that at 10,200, there's not going to be a better high price guy to target. So that's a, that's a, that's where you're building your lineups around. In my opinion, even more so than James Harden, you're building your lineup on Giannis. Um, I I'm excited to see what he can do this season. I think he's got a great matchup against the Celtics to, to really prove that he is an elite player, MVP caliber player, and we'll, we'll see it. So um, that's your lineup builder, in my opinion. And then my other power forward, the Marcus Aldridge, I was caught in between. I had $600 to kind of play around with at the last power forward spot. I'm not a huge fan of the Eldridge play. I think the Timberwolves will allow a bit of points at that spot. You know, Carl Anthony Towns known a little bit as a blocker, but not so much as a defensive stalwart. I think there'll be points to be had there, especially with, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard out. So someone's got to score for that Spurs team. Someone's got to keep carrying him on. I think Aldridge is the guy. So that's, that's where I'm going. I'm not great about it. That would be definitely my hold my nose play yeah that's not not my favorite play but at the same time without Leonard I think there's definitely plenty of plenty of upside there for him to you know kind of take on the full scoring load there um so I think it's a fine play but yeah I, I think that's if I had to disagree with someone in your lineup he'd be the yeah. he'd be the guy. but that's also kind of the same with my power forward right. last spot like that's that's the one spot I'm kind of iffy on that's why I, I can't I couldn't even pick one guy here it was in between Scal. Uh, and John Luer actually it, it depends on which injury um, goes down so if, if Zach Randolph sits out I'm planning on going with uh, Scal um, and if um, if Stanley Johnson sits out uh, I'm going Luer who I think will actually jump into the starting lineup there with Tobias Harris and switching over under 5,000 price yeah it's one's like 4,100 I think for Scal and I think Luer's about 4,300 so uh, I'm definitely gonna flip between one of those two depending on which you know situation uh, pans out there and then like point guard, there's a lot of quality options at center. Um, I want Marcus Saul at 7,800. I don't think that I'm very scared about Cousins covering him or Anthony Davis, whoever does. I think that Grizz have to score with somebody, and Marcus Saul is going to be that guy. I think he posted a triple-double during the preseason. So he's obviously playing um, not, I want to say, at his peak, but he's he's rolling right now. 7,800 is a fantastic price for him. So to me, that that's great. But there's all, there's four or five other options at center. I think that's going to be one of the most divisive positions on the slate. Um, that's partially because of the 11 games. But, yeah, I like Gasol quite a bit there. I, I think Gasol's a great play. I, I think the price is the biggest thing there. It's only 7,800. That's not that's not super expensive. Um, I do. I mean, I worry a little bit about the matchup just because you got two you know all star center or center guys there. But uh, I think the price there is definitely worth it uh, to take a shot on him. Um, and then I originally was going to go with Miles Turner, who I think is a good play. I had him too. Yeah, I, I was I originally going to do it, um, and I think he will be a good play. Um, but I still feel like Nurkic, it, it, Joseph Nurkic from the, the Trailblazers, is going to have have himself a day. Like I said, with Lillard, it's going to be an up-tempo game against the Suns, I believe. Um, McCollum's out again, so I think it's going to be the Lillard-Nurkic um, show who you know those two are going to go back and forth and kind of kind of run that game. I, I think that's fine play too, and I, I don't have any really qualms about it either. And I, we talked about Miles Turner. I like him quite a bit. There's there's a lot of options at center, a lot of options at point guard. Makes for intriguing lineups. A couple of notes before we sign off. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to leave a ratings or review on iTunes or Stitcher. does a great job um, helping out our RotoWare podcast here. And, of course, it gives compliments to us. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's great. We could always use those compliments every <laughs> once in a while. And then uh, with this podcast, it means that the NBA DFS is officially back on FanDuel. It's our sponsored podcast. And it couldn't feel any sweeter new contests are starting every week and ben i have to remind you that over two and a half million people have won cash prizes on fan duel 
So far, it's a clean and crisp site. I like it quite a bit. Uh, you know, utilization's great. And like you were saying, they're a little bit slower to adjust in the prices, so it's perfect. You can take advantage of your Tureen Princes. It's perfect. Absolutely. I was one of those guys that once the preseason hit, you know, yes. I was one of those guys that had yes. I, the itch for Fandle was so, so big. I had to play during the preseason, which is, you know, it's not something I, I, I'm prided for, but no, you, it, you I had to do pride. it. I had to absolutely. do it. Absolutely. You can absolutely take pride yep. in it. Uh, as a reminder for the listeners, you'll get a bit of cross-court action going on. If this is your first deposit on FanDuel, you get a free six-month Roto-Wire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million Dollar Maker, which, as the name states, has over $1 million in cash prizes. We've got a ton of NFL DFS podcasts also out there. Uh, I'll put a shameless plug in for myself. I've done it a few times, but I'll do it again here. I do the NFL Monday DFS podcast with Joe Pisapia. Um, and we break down all the NFL DFS action. We also go over the Monday, Thursday slate. So uh, free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million Dollar Maker. If it's your first deposit on FanDuel, void where prohibited. Um, if you're interested in that, you know, make sure to head over to FanDuel.com slash RW. And that does it for us on the NBA Wednesday DFS podcast. We'll be back again Monday to talk more DFS action. Ben, as always, where can the people follow you out on Twitter? You can get me at Ben Man Doing Work. Ben Man Doing Work. Still the best Twitter handle at RotoWire. And you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys Monday.